0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for On the Money, presented by Embassy National Bank.
1: Hi, everybody. This is Joe Moss, and Embassy National Bank brings you On the Money. Um, And uh, as you know, this show uh, is geared to help small businesses be more successful. I'm Joe Moss, and president of Embassy National Bank. And today we have a real good topic, I think, because we're going to, we're, I think we're talking some generality today about the key success factors with small business, as well as uh, some of the things that the behaviors that can bring a business down. And uh, we've got two very good small business advisors with us today that have a lot of experience both uh, in industry but now also help small business and uh, we're excited to have them first i've got philip saxton he is founder and president of small business samaritans philip welcome thank you glad to be here and then i've got mike hardesty he is with hardesty and hackett and he is the managing partner there and mike good to have you today
2: nice to be here good um (coughs) Let me
1: start. I'll give you all a couple minutes to give the old elevator pitch, if you will, to our customers. So, Philip, tell us about Small Business Samaritans.
0: Well, I started Small Business Samaritans because most small businesses fail, not because of lack of capital. They fail because of lack of know-how. They may understand the product or the service that they are offering extremely well, but all of the other things that are associated with running a small business, they, they do not have enough knowledge. That could be sales, marketing, advertising, accounting, you know, putting together a decent business plan, all of those kinds of things. And one of the things that we concentrate on is coming alongside small businesses to help them be successful and help fill in those areas where they have some deficiencies in their own organization. Okay. Uh, we do that not only through some direct consulting, but we do do that through uh, conducting uh, business seminars. Okay. And uh, Mike, tell us about Hardesty
1: Hackett.
2: It was started uh, in 2004 with four of my friends. We started an investment club, and uh, we each put in $200,000, and we thought we would work on some passive income. And it, uh, we flipped some houses, and we bought some penny stocks, and we did some of the over-counter stuff, and it really got to be too much of a job. And so everybody, the other four, and myself included, just say this, this is not what it's supposed to be. Better off putting it in a savings account or CD or whatever. But at the time, I was doing analysis, uh, contract analysis for various uh, consulting firms. And one of the last uh, consulting assignments I did was with a CPA firm in Noonan. And I did the analysis of the firm. Uh, they, they liked that didn't necessarily like the, what I had to say but they, they agreed with, with, my, with my findings and uh, we went on and do, did a project and after the project they made the overture, why don't you become our, our consulting arm? We can handle the financial side but our small business clients need somebody to help them on their operational side. So we took a flyer, uh, one of their clients, um, and, and did an analysis A the subsequent project and we were underway. And we thought we would never have to have anybody in sales. Uh, we would just go from one project to another with the accounting firm. Uh, many of their clients were in construction. Construction uh, hit a downfall in 2007, 2008. Uh, we had to become more proactive. So we, uh, we hired some salespeople and did the usual thing. And, uh, and so from 2004 to currently, we've been operational uh, Operating out of uh, Noonan in their CPA office for three years, and then uh, in Roswell for the balance. All right, that's good. Um, Phil, let me let me ask you this question. And in, in, uh, we talked uh,
1: before the show, and um, your 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 concept is that uh, um, small business is the driver of the U.S. economy. That's right, and. Um, uh, you've got a stat that says it's creating 64% of the jobs. In fact, that number is actually growing. Uh, and ha- what, do you, um, uh, what is that a result of?
0: Well, it's really greater than 70% now. And if you look at Georgia specifically, the net contribution to new jobs in Georgia is zero from large companies. So all of Georgia's job growth is due to small businesses. And that's one of the reasons why we work so hard and are so enthusiastic about what we're doing is because we not only want small businesses to be successful, we want them to be able to hire other people and pay them a good salary.
1: And um, you mentioned that a lot of times small businesses are built on a dream and uh, the desire. um, And you also mentioned the word courage. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So... Is it smart to build a business or start a business based on a dream?
0: Yes, I, I think it's smart to, to build a business based on a dream if you're wise enough to hire people to help you uh, in those areas where you may not uh, have very good strength. For example, if you are poor in sales, then you need to either hire a salesperson or a sales manager or go out and get some consulting in sales so that that person can help you close business. You may know the product very well. You may have a wonderful dream. But if you don't bring the right people alongside of you, you will not be successful. And uh, Mike,
1: speaking about the right people, what are some of the things that you see uh, when people invite you into their business?
2: Uh, the number one, one, number one reason why people invite us in is that they're in trouble. Uh, we do some, some work with people that are on a growth mode, but... For the most part, our clients are in some sort of financial stress. Um, <clears throat> people often say, what's the number one problem that, that the clients have? Uh, lack of formal planning. They don't have a business plan. They don't have budgets. They don't have a sales and marketing plan. They don't do any formal planning. And I wish I had a dollar for every time a potential client That's answered that question by pointing at his forehead and saying, I got a plan. It's right here it doesn't do anybody good, any good and so we focus on doing the formal planning you, you probably heard the phrase plan the plan the if you don't plan the, to work you're gonna if you don't plan to work you're gonna fail
1: yeah plan the work and work the plan that's it yeah. and work to fail yeah,
2: yeah. um and uh philip you've
1: got uh, something you indicated um uh the importance of core beliefs so yeah. tell me how the the plan and the core beliefs fit together
0: well, the, the core beliefs are really the foundation of your success. And if you do not have core beliefs, then you're building your business on shaky ground. A uh, core belief for us, for example, is respect for the individuals, not only those that work with us, but also people that we're working with. Another core belief is the pursuit of excellence. We want to be the absolute best in everything that we, we do. And our, th- our last core belief uh, uh, among six of them, we have six, but the one that I'd like to share with you today is, is that we like to provide our customers with an awesome experience. And that means we really work hard so that we can earn that. We want them to know us as an awesome company, and we want to provide them with an awesome experience. Well, when you have those kinds of core beliefs and you share those with your clients and your staff, it just means that you're building a better company.
1: Uh, it, what's more important,
2: business plan or core beliefs? Mike, well, you want to? You know, I think you need both of them. you got to start with that dream, and then you build around it. And so many people do not. Anybody that's ever flipped a hamburger thinks they can rent a restaurant. They have no idea what's involved in renting a restaurant.
1: We did a show on, so you want to be in the restaurant business. <laughs> and Guess again. You're right. And uh, a lot of people fall out of that business. Um, So what are some of the real key components of a
2: business plan? Well, it's the financial side for sure. You've got to do some cash flow forecasting. You've got to have some idea of revenue uh, that's going to be coming in. And you've got to offset expenses against revenue so that you can stay alive. Um, One of the notes that I brought in today is that uh, according to Dun & Bradstreet, this uh, small business... Uh, formulation is very difficult thirty three percent of all new businesses fail within the first six months fifty percent of new businesses fail within their first two years of operation and seventy five percent fail in the first three years now uh, the small business administration says that eighty uh, percent of all small businesses fail in the first five years so the if you're a gambler it's a bad gamble you, you're better to flip a coin and hope that you come up heads but it's not a practical thing, you know. If you've got a dream and you've got inspiration and you're not a quitter, and you're you are don't think
1: about failure, do you?
2: It doesn't exist. That's right. a bad word. Right. So you you mortgage a house, you put in the grunt, you put in the time, you get all the help you can. You you know you, you're going to do it no matter what because somebody else is not. They're not better than you are. You're going to outwork them, outhustle hustle them. Um, Philip, do you
1: do you see companies that uh, don't
0: understand? the major profit driver in their business? Oh, absolutely. Um, You know, I see companies that spend 80% of their time on low-profit items or low-profit service. Uh, You know, it's absolutely amazing uh, the way some companies are operating. And part of that is because they don't have a sound business plan or if they do have a plan, they're not following it. See, we don't call them business plans. We call them working business plans, and a working business plan is something that you pull out every week, modify, change, look at, examine, you know, uh, share it with others. Uh, Then you need to have a good marketing, a good marketing and advertising plan. Uh, I have a client that, uh, you know, did not have a plan, and he tried a little bit of this and a little bit of that. He was in billboards. He was in magazines. He was doing some radio advertising. He, it was all over the place, but he didn't have a plan, and so none of that advertising worked. As a matter of fact, I think he got one customer, and that's because he didn't have a plan, and what he was doing was not integrated. It didn't, it didn't support the overall vision and purpose of the company.
1: Um, Mike, how many, uh, how many people, when they get into small business, say so they're rocking along and then they're doing okay, have they really taken the time to determine what is their true return on investment?
2: It's a foreign language to them. Uh, the degree of sophistication for small business people is not very high. You do find the exception, of course, and they've got everything in line. But for the most part, the, uh, the, the basics are not in place. The fundamentals are not in place. And they don't have any idea what their ROI is. They don't do cash flow forecasting. Uh, Budgets. I, I probably would be 90% of the people I talk to don't have a budget. They run from week to week. If We got money in the bank. We're okay. I can't be broke because I still got checks. I want to talk. Keep
1: keep talking. I want to come back and address that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, most of them are are not in uh, very very polished in how they run their business, but they work hard. And there are the risk takers and the dreamers again that when they get in a tight. They'll mortgage your house, and, and they'll do without, and they'll take all their savings and borrow everything they can because once they get over that heat, that peak, they're going to be okay, and things are going to be wonderful. But sometimes they don't make it. In fact, most of the time they don't make it.
1: Yeah. Um, I want to stop for just a minute. This is On the Money brought to you by Embassy National Bank. I'm Joe Moss, and we're talking with Philip uh, Saxton of Small Business Samaritans and Mike Hardesty of Hardesty Hackett, both of these folks are um, small business advisors and from the first uh, ten minutes of conversation, I can tell you that they are uh, they know what they're talking about because I um, my experience in the small business world would indicate these guys are right on the money with what they're talking about. Um, want to go back to Mike your comment uh, so it 's possible. And I've seen this before, that a small businessman, if he really takes it into account, he may be working for 20 bucks an hour. Or it may be negative.
2: Well, we often do that as an example when we're doing our findings meeting. Uh, they, they stick out their chest and, and bow their neck and say, I'm working 60, 70, 80 hours a week. And you say, well, great, that's good. Now, let, me, let me get your calculator out. <clears throat> Let's find out how many hours you're working a year and then how how much should you pay yourself? What's your W-2 look like? We'll divide one into the other and that'll be your hourly rate. And you say, you know, you're working for $16.17 an hour. You're not exactly a captain of the industry. Why are you doing this? Why don't you go to work for somebody else? Eight to five, whistle blows, go home, drink beer, forget about it. Right. So what what keeps you here? Refuse to fail. Yeah. Philip, how
1: what has to happen for a small business owner to back up and say, wait a minute, I don't know everything? Because I'm sure you see some hard-headedness in the small business world.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I think that the first thing is, is that you've got to be able to admit that you don't know everything uh, and that uh, your body of knowledge is really relatively small. Uh, and when you are able to admit that to yourself, that's when you say to yourself, well, let me find someone that does know about these various areas. There's no one person that knows everything that you need to know in order to operate a successful business, small it, or large. But
1: isn't it true that the psychology of most small business people is
0: that they do know everything? I think with some personalities that is true. Uh, and those are the ones that, who have very small margins. They don't understand their cash flow analysis. And, in fact, sometimes it's worse than that, believe it or not. Sometimes they are actually paying customers for business. In other words, they are, they are selling products and services, but they are making less than what those products and services actually cost, cost them.
1: And uh, that's not a mistake just of small business, too, because big business gets into that problem as well. I know of a couple of examples. Uh, Mike, talk about the concept of money in the bank versus net income.
2: Well, one, the net income—you're talking about year-end net income. Yep. yep, that's what you've got at the end of the year. Money in the bank—they don't necessarily coincide. You've got obligations. <clears throat> excuse me. You've got obligations for that money that's in the bank, and uh, it doesn't always appear on the on the income statement or the fa- balance sheet. So it's—you can't just look at the checkbook every day and say, "I must be okay." And you can't get in the habit of calling the bank and say, "How much money have I got?" Oh gosh. You know, and and we have. When Philip was talking, I was thinking about one group we're working with in uh, in Maryland, and a couple of very smart guys. One's an MD, and the other guy's an engineer, and they're doing uh, medical devices in uh, in in uh, Maryland, in Baltimore. And our guy up there was talking with him, and after two and a half hours, he said, you know, we're really in trouble. Uh, I've mortgaged my house to the hilt. My partner's mortgaged his house to the hilt. Uh, we own the building we're in. It's probably got a market value of a million and a half to two million. We have a mortgage of $160,000. Uh, but the real kicker is that, uh, I'm, I'm $700,000 behind on my 941s, my payroll taxes. Ooh. And he said, what can you do to help? Uh, I don't know. Can we rob a bank for you? Yeah. And, I mean we talked about that uh, 6 weeks
1: ago what's the number one thing you got to
2: pay and that's your 941 taxes cuz it's the most expensive money you can borrow and this guy's criminal now he it's no longer a, a misdemeanor a felony
1: yeah because that's what they really go after yeah. is the 941 taxes uh, philip what what has the last 6 years taught us or taught the small businessman
0: well i i think that that the last 6 years has, have been really Basically good for the small business person, a lot of people wouldn't agree with that, but uh, if you look at where we were six years ago, when it looked like we were getting ready to go into a recession, when no good idea would work, when money was not at all available compared to now, you know I would encourage people to go into business now. Uh, times are much better uh, and the other thing that's that's really really key to look at is that there are a lot of really good employees out there that you can get at a very attractive price. And so I've been advising uh, our clients to go find those good employees, you know, pay them a decent salary, but it's a lot more than they were making, you know, last year. Right. Uh, So I think times are good uh, times are much better today than they were six years ago. Um, And, Mike,
2: what have we learned but forgotten already? In the last six years? In the last six years. It can happen again. And I am always take a lot of pride in the people we work with that have survived the last six years. Uh, 2007, 2008, into 2009 was absolutely awful. It was for everybody. Everybody. And uh, and being a banker, I I often tell the story about uh, one of our clients wanted to get a truck. He wanted to buy a truck. And in the old days, you could go buy a truck, and this guy found a truck, and it was the right color and the right price and everything. And so he called the bank and said, "I found the truck I want. Truck I want." And the uh, bank banker said, "How much is it?" And he said, "Whatever it was, twenty thousand dollars." "You like it? You want it?" He said, "Yeah." He said, "Okay, buy it. Cover it. I'll, I'll cover the check. Come in before the end of the week and finish the paperwork." That won't happen today. No, it won't. Yeah. And and so those things, personal relationships have changed. And you, often here you become a number and we do a lot of bank presentations, but it really boils down to the number side. It's not that you're a deacon in the church or you've been living in the same town for 30 years and you've been to school with these guys. It's not that way anymore. Now,
1: don't blame the banker here, okay? I mean, you're an easy target. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, uh, you know, the whole world has changed with the advent of uh, this idea of consumer protection, and on uh, and, and, and the banking side, this uh, literally uh community banks like ourselves we're small businesses as well and uh if you think about it the uh examiners um they have a lot of time to spend with us and think about how easy it is to probably audit a small bank versus a big bank so just think about where all the attention's going so we're under mm-hmm. a microscope and who who gets hurt the small business g- guy gets hurt at the end of the day this always comes back to the small business guy getting hurt mm-hmm. um, Mike, what kind of businesses are you seeing now? Industry types that are doing well versus those that you would advise to stay away from?
2: Healthcare is big. Um, um, it is big, and those are big ones. Uh, stay away from buggy whips, travel agencies. Some of those businesses are big buggy on. whips. You don't make buggy whips anymore because you don't have to beat horses. We have cars. All right. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, you know what? I think I made that decision about three years ago. <laughs> uh,
2: the high-tech stuff is really where it is, and, and it's fodder, that's good fodder for us because those guys are real smart in what they do, mm-hmm. but they don't have a lot of business savvy. Gotcha, gotcha. And,
1: and um, Philip, what, uh, what? how do you see the importance? Well, I ask you the same question. What do you see working these days and what's not working?
0: Well, I, w- I would agree with Mike, um, uh, health care, IT, uh, those kinds of services, um, uh, social media, um, r- doing excellent websites, um, you know, there are a lot of people out there who are pr- providing poor services and so you have to be careful about who you do business with, but I, w- I would say those would be some key areas. Um, Restaurants, believe it or not, uh, can be a good business, but you really have to concentrate on two very, very fundamental things. Number one, you've got to have good food, and many restaurants don't. Yep. And number two, you have to offer outstanding customer service. Every single
1: time. Every
0: single time. And that's true of all businesses, Correct. As, uh, uh, by the way. Uh, and a lot of folks really don't pay enough attention to... The level of customer service that they are offering, and it requires some training. Again, right. you know, and that's one of the reasons we got into this business is so that we can offer training to the business owners, but also train their employees. And let me, if I could, could um, uh, extend my answer just one little bit. Sure. There, there has been a tendency, particularly by uh, some of the large uh, food fast food companies, to really minimize the value of employees by not giving them very good training or any training. Um, and that is real mistake. Now, their attitude is we have so much turnover, there's no point in us investing in those Probably why people. you have so much turnover. That, exactly right. But if you're a small business, you must invest in training. You have to in order to be successful. Um, Let's
1: talk about buying a business versus building a business. Uh, Mike, what are your thoughts on that?
2: It can go either way. Uh, Buying a business, we get involved in acquisitions uh, at times. It's a a faster way to grow. If you're trying to grow organically, it'll take you a lot longer. And uh, if you want slow growth, that's fine. If you want rapid growth... Acquisition is the way to go. But you've got to do your due diligence. You could buy a barrel of snakes and not know it. So you've got to be very careful.
0: Phil, do you want to comment on that? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that uh, those people who are interested in selling their business, number one, you've got to understand that it takes about three years to get a business prepared, ready to sell. You know, it's like buying, or selling a home. You know, you may have to invest, say, $15,000, $30,000 in your home in order to sell it. In business, it's the same way, but it takes a lot longer. Uh, you've got to invest money and time. But the important thing is, is that a lot of small business people say, well, my business is worth a million dollars. Uh, but you can only, when you do a, a business assessment, you can only find about $300,000 of that mm-hmm. uh, when you do an appraisal. And you say, well, where's the other 700000 They say, well, that's in my goodwill. Well, there is such a thing as goodwill, but you have to document the goodwill. For example, uh, if you don't know, if you don't have a good customer list, you don't have goodwill. You can't sell what's in your head. You can only sell what's on paper. And, uh, Mike, you probably have seen this.
1: Um, if you buy a business, you got to make sure that the success of that business is not just because of the owner that it's because it has an
2: ongoing cash flow that has been transferred. In most cases that's true, but probably even more important is that you have to have a an agreement that the old previous owner stays on board for two to three years. You go through all the process of the buying, the due diligence and so forth, and you're gonna miss some things. Mm-hmm. And you want this guy to stick around because, oh, I did that five years ago and I forgot about it or whatever. And so the success of the acquisition is gonna be contingent on the former owner or owners staying on board for a stipulated period of time?
1: Um, There's so much we can talk about. Um,
0: Franchise or no franchise? Phil, do you want to start on that? Well, uh, if you buy a franchise, you're buying a proven product, generally speaking. Hopefully. With um, all kinds of operations. I mean, they, they pretty much tell you what you have to do in order to be successful, and if you do it, and if you work really hard, you will be successful. Uh, But it's almost like buying a job as well. You have to do things exactly the way they tell you to do them, otherwise it's not going to work. Um, For those people who really have a product or service or whatever, they need to start their own, because then you get to have the fun of making all of the fun decisions and you're just not following a, a, a menu, if you will. And, uh, Mike, do you do a lot
1: of work with franchisees?
2: and, and uh, what? Some of them are not allowed to, to work with us. Really? We, okay. we tell them that we do operational improvement. you we say, well, we've got a whole team at the franchise office. They bring out a team. They check us every six months, da-da-da. We can't work with them. Others don't have any help. All they've got to do is send their royalty check in every month, mm-hmm. and the franchise or is happy. So uh, we've done work with franchises, and I probably shouldn't mention, and I won't mention any names. But uh, from an individual standpoint, they were happy to to get the help, and it more than paid for itself. Okay, um,
1: Philip, what are some of the? Um, I'm sure you've seen, even though 80 percent of businesses, small businesses, fail within uh, five years. Um, what are some of the? Uh, Things that you've seen that good, solid businesses have done to stay successful?
0: I think one of the most important things is to have a good marketing plan, an integrated marketing plan. And that includes a plan that covers your uh, advertising, your branding, uh, your social media plan, your website. All of that has got to work together. Many times people start businesses and they leave almost no money for advertising. Those businesses are destined to fail. So you've got to have an advertising budget. You've got to have a marketing budget. It's 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 really key to success. Well, you 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 brought up an interesting uh topic within
1: itself. Uh marketing is not just advertising. No, it's not. It's concept building, it's advertising, it's
0: public relations,
1: it's all of the above.
0: All of the above. And ultimately, it's going to require someone in your organization to be able to close business. You've got to have that closer. You you can really have a fine advertising plan, but when people contact you, if you cannot get them to sign on the dotted line, what have you gained? And so that's another area that, that, that I find that uh, many small business owners – at they are not good salespeople, and they really need sales training. Well, Mike, is it a
1: when you get in and see businesses that mostly the businesses that get in touch, you are the ones that need help. Mostly, and um, do you see it as a is it a re, is it typically a revenue problem? Is it an expense problem? Is it a knowledge problem? Where do, where do you see the the typical
2: problem? It's all of the above and more. Uh, we really look at the bottom line, why aren't you making any money? What are the problems? You're not selling enough. What are the margins? Do you know what your gross profit is? Do you know what the inputs are? What's your labor content? Is it up or down, stabilized? Are you spending too much in one area? Are you putting country club dues on the, on the, on the, on the, on the financials of the business? It could be any number of things, but it's, it's a lot of those things and, and more, more than the three things you just mentioned. That's why we need to do a, a, a composite examination of a business, and we get into it when we, when we do this analysis that I talked mm-hmm. about. We'll look at the financials. And we've got a, a, a PAT uh, uh, program that we've written that uh, will help us through the financials very quickly. has all the diagrams and f- technicolor and charts and graphs and so forth.
1: Yeah, you mentioned that. That's uh, just to help you, with, help you market that. It's called the hh CP,
2: which is the Hartersy Hackett change process. Change is difficult for people. People resist change, and so it's part of it is the educational process. Why do we do it this way? And the answer invariably is because we've always done it this way. Well, if you move it two feet over, or like with this mic, if you take it out of a stand and rest it on my chest, you know that, that's better for me, and uh, I don't have to fiddle with this thing. Um, Philip, you mentioned
1: everybody has to have a closer. Um, and I was thinking about that. Do all businesses need a closer? But everybody has, and every it doesn't matter what the business is, it all comes down to, at some point, uh, telling people what you have and then getting them to decide
0: to buy it. That's exactly right. The, the, many people really don't understand what the purpose of sales is let me just very simply explain. The purpose of sales is to get your client, your prospect, to make a decision. That's what sales is all about. A lot of people think it has to do with trickery. You know, I've got to have all these closing techniques. I've got to sing and dance and do all that thing. No. The purpose of sales is to identify a client with a need, provide that client with all of the information that they need to have, in order to make a buy or not buy decision, and if they buy from you, wonderful. If they don't, go on to the next one. All right. But if you don't get a client to the point where they can make that decision, then you failed. Mm-hmm. You haven't you haven't accomplished anything. You've wasted your time and the time of your client.
1: Mike, I you know we don't like talking about failure, but as you mentioned, failure's out there eighty percent of the time. Um, how does somebody unwind a disaster? Uh, how hard is it for them to make that decision that this just isn't working?
2: When we get, I hate to go back to what our process is, but the analysis lasts for a small company for a week. And on the last day, we have a findings meeting, which lasts anywhere from two hours to all day. And invariably during that findings meeting, we say, you know, you've got three options. I've, I've unloaded everything that, that's negative here. I told you about a few of the positive things. You've got some positive things. It's not terrible. Right. You're still here, so mm-hmm. you're a survivor. But you've got three options. You can quit, turn out the lights, let's get out of here. Uh, you can sell it, but you'll never get your money out of it because it's not of any value anymore. Or you can fix it, and you decide what you want to do. I don't care what you want to do. It's one of the three, but if you want to, you want to just walk out, let's go. I'll, I'll go buy the first beer. Um, want to ask you also give me an
1: idea of you, you said the the not you said there are nine early trouble signs give me the top three
2: no business plan or oh, this have to look at my notes
1: <laughs> the the top three
2: early warning signs that somebody is in trouble uh they're they're one man show everything is dependent on one person again as philip alluded to you've got to surround yourself with people that have skill sets that you don't have. So if you try to do it yourself, you're setting yourself up for failure. And if you don't have a succession plan, inevitably you're going to fall on your face anyway. So you've got to have a plan on the front end. And usually what happens when people start a business, if they really think about it, I'm going to start a business and I'm going to work it for 10 years or 20 years or 30 years, then I'm going to sell it or give it to my kids. I've got a plan there anyway. I don't want to do this until I die with no plan. And... uh, and then you've got to have the, uh, the, the, one cu- the customer trap, the one, the one customer you've got that commands most of your volume, your business. And uh, Sears used to be notorious for this. They would, they'd get a, a vendor that would make product for them and, 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 and beat them down on price. They'd have low margin. And the idea that the vendor had was that, well, you know they're going to give us big volume. The margins are low, so we're going to be okay. And next, next year, somebody else comes in and low-bids them. And in the meantime, the original guy has bought new equipment, bought new buildings, hired more people. And now he doesn't have any volume. He doesn't have any business. And those guys go out of business. And today, it's, uh, it's the lament of the people that do business with uh, Walmart. It's price, price, price. So don't, don't hang your hat on, on one client. Uh, the, the Pareto's Law 80-20 is really really working here. Um, Phil,
1: uh Integrated marketing. Why
2: don't
0: you talk about the concept of integrated marketing? Well, the first thing you've got to do is put together a total marketing plan, irrespective of budget. Uh, And that plan ought to include all kinds of things. Number one, a sales process. Number two, advertising. Number three, uh, websites. Uh, If you're going to put up a website, for example, just to talk about websites, Uh, make sure that your website is beautiful. Make sure that it converts. In other words, it works. It does something for you. And number three, that there's a way to drive traffic to the website or the website generates traffic for you. If you cannot do those things, that part of your marketing plan fails. Mm -hmm. Uh, You've got to have a social media plan in today's world. No matter how much you hate it, you have to – you know, use things like Facebook and LinkedIn, Pinterest. Because if you don't, people are already in social media about you, so you might as well be aggressive about it. You might as well be aggressive about it and lead the pack as opposed to be, being being led by others. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, just being on on Facebook or, or any social media, for that matter, doesn't, doesn't mean just signing up and getting a username and password. Right. It's got to be worked. Right, and uh, one of the things that we find that uh, people fail in, not only in advertising messages but in social media and website, is that the content that they write is very poor, and it is poorly written. So you can have an outstanding business person, someone that really understands the business, the products or services, but is a poor writer. You're
1: not communicating the concept in, in, com-
0: in communicating the concept. That person needs help, and very often they don't recognize that they need help. So uh, an integrated plan, it says this, that everything that, I'm, that I do, I am driving towards a particular goal. Mm-hmm. So you have mm-hmm. to establish that goal, okay. and everything that you do it has to do something towards uh, the achievement of that goal. If it does not, then you don't do it. Um, Mike, what are the the three
1: worst
2: strategies of a small business. Well, <clears throat> one is going for broke. You've got somebody that uh, is in business, and they threw caution to the wind, and just uh, uh, don't uh, uh, don't look for the uh, the problem areas and the uh, the obvious signs that they're failing or going in the wrong direction. You're just going to work real hard, and, and they'll get out of it. And um, the other one is you get complacent. We find people that are complacent; they're content to make X number of dollars, a certain amount of profit each year, and if if it ain't broke, don't fix it again. Mm-hmm. So they're in a grow, no growth mode. And there's that old adage in business: you either grow or die. And so that's the best. Well,
1: sp- we come back to changes. Change is a constant.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, if it's if it's uh, if it's not broken, break it. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> I like that. <laughs>
2: the third one is the no taxes strategy. You know, oh, I love, I
1: love that. When I was reading about that, that you know, I just don't want to pay taxes. You know, yeah. keep me. I don't want to pay taxes. Okay, well, guess what? You're probably not making the money. You know, because eventually you pay taxes. Yeah. I mean, it's really not. It's not tax. It's tax
2: deferral. You eventually are going to pay taxes. If you're good at what you're doing, you're going to pay taxes. You have a moral responsibility because we live in this country, and taxes are part of it. Yep. And uh, and to avoid taxes at any cost is just silly. You know, we're all going to pay them, and if you're not paying them, they're probably not successful.
1: Right. Right. Um, Philip, <laughs> what are the some of the things that you've seen? I think you've kind of alluded to them. No marketing plan, you know, not a there's no core belief, there's no it all comes back down to this you got to have a real tight strategic view of your company. Mm-hmm.
0: And, go
1: ahead, I'm sorry.
0: Well, you know, a lot of a lot of people feel that their marketing plan is their elevator pitch, <laughs> you know. Uh and and you've got to go much further than that. Uh Marketing plans, putting together a marketing plan, is not a simple task. It's not something that you just, you know, sit down at the kitchen table and spend a half an hour and, and, and it's done. It really takes a lot of knowledge. It, it, it begins with understanding your products and services, but then who's buying your products and services? What, are, what is your true market? And what is the value of that market? Uh, have you looked at whether or not 20% of your customers are making 80% of your profit? Well, if that's the case, maybe you ought to concentrate just on that 20% and have a marketing plan that's focused exclusively on that 20%. I like that. I like that. Um, Mike, we've,
1: gosh, we're at the end of this thing. Um, we could go on forever. You know, I hate to do this, but you got last word. You know, give us some ideas of how you can help and how people will get in touch with you and that type of thing.
2: Well, um, Philip talked about you need a closer, and we don't have a closer. We qualify people to work with us, and that sounds kind of pompous, but we can't help everybody. (coughs) And we go through this analysis process where we qualify people for our services because we're unique. We guarantee a minimum two to one return on in their investment in us. Um, they'll become better at, at what they're doing than they were before. It becomes a, a dollars and cents decision. Uh, if they're in the acquisition mode, we can help them with that. In the situation with hundred thousand dollars in back taxes, we just say throw up our hands and say we can't help you with that. But if it gets to be if they got one foot in bankruptcy court, we probably can't help them with that. But if they kind of scratch in their head and say, I've done everything I can do, I don't know what to do, I need some help, we probably can help them. Excuse me. I mentioned the uh, fund that we have. We're not venture capitalists by any means, but we do have bridge capital available for our clients to cover some short term needs that they mm-hmm. have. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a plus. Um, but with, with, three, with us, we've never had a bad uh, experience. All of our clients are references. Uh, again because we're very careful and very cautious we get involved with but um, we're on a website we've got an expensive website and it's hardestyhacket.com. and the phone number is 770-594-1200 we now have six partners we have a total of 23 people around the country we focus in the southeast southwest and Hawaii Um, as I said the industries are many and varied and I outlined the ones that we care not to get involved with. Mm-hmm. But uh, if someone's looking for some help, uh, we can probably help them if they're not too far gone. Mm-hmm. If they are too far gone, they'll know
0: right up front. It won't cost them anything. Um, Philip, last word. Well, um, you can contact us uh, at uh, 404-713-0991. Uh, we also have a pretty extensive website, Smallbusinesssamaritans.com. That's smallbusinesssamaritans.com. Samaritans is as in the good Samaritans. Yes. <laughs> uh, and uh, you can see some of the people that work with us. But uh, one of the ones I would like to mention is Eclipse Web Media is one of our partners. And they are probably by far the best web development organization uh, in the Gwinnett County, Atlanta area. And we're very, very proud of our association with them. Okay. But you can reach again. It's 404-713-0991. Well, thank both of you for, for being
1: here. And um, I, we've had a really good conversation. Um, it, you know, kind of what I've learned from it is that, uh, one, make sure you've got that real tight focus as a company. You understand what you're trying to do. Um, and, and then, Mike, you mentioned it, too. Once you start doing this thing, make sure you can make some money at it. That's right. Uh, you know, it sounds sounds basic, but... You know it, yeah. It can't be a hobby. You've got to make sure you make some money. You get paid for your return, or else because small business will 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 kill you. I mean it. It's because uh, you got to. It's got to be you. So as long as it's going to be you, you might as well be making some money at it. Indeed. So uh, thanks for coming today, sure. and um, we really appreciate it. And uh, thank you, listeners, for another round of on the money. And we'll see you next time.